Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Carol Ann Flood, and I'm the worship director here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life, or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by His Word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in Him. Hey, good morning, Frontline. It's good to see all of you. It's good to have you if you're joining and watching online. If you could overcome any barrier in the world right now, you personally, if you could overcome any barrier in the world, what barrier would that be for you? Uh, today, as I think about the game later today, there's a lot of barriers between this and where I'd like to be. Uh, but like, I think about the Rams locker room today or the Bengals locker room. Like, don't you wish you could see or understand like what's it like on the other side? Uh, that's a sports analogy, illustration, whatever. Maybe for you, the barrier's financial. Maybe it's like, man, I'd love to buy a house or I'd love to, I'd love to get out of the place that I'm in. I'd like to buy a different house, put a down payment on a car. Maybe that would be the barrier. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's familial. Maybe, maybe it's spiritual. What is the barrier that if you could overcome any barrier in the world right now, what is the barrier that you would overcome? Uh, one of the things that surprised me is four years ago, uh, after Shannon and I started here at Frontline, I was here for about a year, uh, I learned about foster care in a way that I'd never learned about before. And what I didn't know is God was leading both Shannon and I to become licensed foster care parents. So as we went through the process, here's what I didn't know or what I didn't realize is there were barrier upon barrier upon barrier upon barrier upon barrier. And the list goes on and on and on from actually being deemed worthy to take care of someone else's kids as it should, right? As it should. So here's what I didn't know. I didn't know that was going to require a physical for me. That was like one step short of like, can you do 20 push-ups? Okay, can you, can you carry kids? Can you do, it's like they had to do, they made us do a physical. They made us submit our driver's license histories. They made us show our financial records. We had to do interviews. They had to call other people who knew us. I mean, our dog had to get a dog license. Like, I, just let that sit in for a second. That's not attached to any vaccine, any preventive. That's just, did you pay your dog tax? That's one of the barriers that we had to overcome to become licensed foster care workers. But by the end of it, after working through all of the barriers, we were finally deemed worthy. We were finally deemed worthy after overcoming all of the barriers that, okay, yes, now you can take care of other people's children. And it exists for a reason because this, they are the most valuable treasures that someone could ever be entrusted with. Barriers make sense when it comes to something like that. But let me ask you this today. Is there anything that functions as a barrier between you and God? Is there anything that functions as a barrier between you and God as you come in today, as you worship, or as you're sitting through maybe yet another message? Is there anything that exists between you and God that functions right now as a barrier? As in, you're not fully there. You're not fully committed or you're not fully in his presence. You can't fully let go. Is there something that exists right now in your life? Maybe it's fear. Anxiety, depression, maybe, maybe it's a sin pattern that you're holding on to. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe, maybe it's shame or guilt, something that you've done in the past that you're holding on to that's hard for you to actually break in to overcome a barrier. Is there a barrier for you right now that exists 
between you and God. Uh, I'm going to do a brief overview really quick of some of where we've been already in the series. But Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, it was the first temple. It was the first tabernacle that was created where God and humanity had no barriers. It was totally unlimited access. It says God walked among them. So there was no barrier, no limited access, no nothing. But Adam and Eve sinned and it created a chasm and it created a separation and it created a barrier so much so that God removed them from the garden and prevented them from accessing it again. So their sin translated as a barrier, well, just a short chapter later, it already shows or what God had orchestrated was actually a barrier that would exist between God and humanity in the temple, in the tabernacle, where, where the place of God resided. There was a physical barrier that came from a spiritual barrier that was already put in place. It was actually like this curtain. Check this out. This is Exodus 25. It says, then have them make a sanctuary for me. This is God talking to his people and I will dwell among them. Catch this. There's a barrier that exists, but God's desire is to be among them. My desire, or I, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So there's a barrier, there's gonna be a curtain that is put in place even in the place where God resides. But don't miss this, this statement. Despite the separation that took place in the Garden of Eden, despite the separation that took place in the tabernacle, despite the separation that takes place because of sin, God's desire has always been to be among his people. That's why God was among his people at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. That is God's great desire. But then look at how he, he tells them to orchestrate the temple. He says, now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were the lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. These are some of the requirements that God gave his people for the construction of the tabernacle. Behind the second curtain, notice here it is. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had three things, the golden altar of incense, the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. It, it contained all of these things within it, but it was considered the holiest place, the most holy of holies. Like this, this was the place where God resided, and it was inaccessible from everybody else. It was different. These things that were included there, these three things that are highlighted, the golden pot that held manna was to remind Israel of God's provision and their ungratefulness. Aaron's rod was the reminder of Israel's rebellion against his authority. And the tablets of the covenant were a reminder of the failure of Israel to keep the 10 commandments. It looked like this. This whole thing, this whole section or rectangle is the tabernacle. And within this is where you would make sacrifices on the altar. There'd be a basin for washing. Here's the whole place where only the priests would be allowed in. And then beyond that was one other place. It was the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant resided. And that was where God's presence was among his people. Notice the layer upon layer upon layer, the barrier of separation between humanity and the place that God resides. It was separate. 
It was totally separate, and it was that way for a reason. Think about this. God could have allowed that separation to take place forever. We look at Genesis 3. That's where it started. But then the prophet, of, uh, the prophet Isaiah says this in Isaiah 59. He says, surely the arm, let's go ahead and go to that slide. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities, watch, we're gonna highlight this. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken falsely, and your tongue mutters wicked things. The prophet Isaiah is describing to God's people, he's describing to us, this is why you don't have access to God. It's not because of God. It's not because he doesn't wanna be with you. It's not because he, he, he set the table and, and turned the tides or whatever so that we could never do it. No, 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 what God wanted from the very beginning is to be among his people, but it was our sin, our iniquities, our fingers, our hands, our lips, our tongue, the things we say, the things we think, the things we do. It was our sin that created a chasm between us and God. You know what my temptation is to do with a sermon like this or, or with a text like this? It's to look outward. You know the difference between externalizing something and internalizing it? Externalizing is this, is their fault. It's Adam and Eve's fault. It's Satan's fault. It, what we do is we look out, it's God's fault. Have you ever blamed God for something that didn't go well in your life? It's his fault. The world is against me. The conditions, it just thrust upon me. Our temptation in this moment right now is to say, it's not a me issue, it's a them issue. What the prophet Isaiah is saying is wrong. If you have a hard time worshiping, if you have a hard time praying, if you have a hard time reading your Bible, being in community with other believers, if you have a hard time hearing from God, it's not a them issue, it's not a him issue, it's not a church issue, it's a me issue. We've said this so many times from this stage, pastors are not exempt. It is so hard for me to come into the presence of God when sin wins in my life. It is extraordinarily difficult. In fact, I have an aversion to it. As a pastor, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know I'm supposed to confess my sin. I know I'm supposed to get down on my knees and confess and say, God, I screwed up. I broke whatever. I was wrong or I wronged someone else. God, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And I have an aversion to going into his presence because there's, there's this, this thing inside of me that says, if I step in there, I have to acknowledge that I'm not worthy, that I'm guilty, that I'm broken, that I'm shameful. And it's easier for me to do what Adam and Eve did in the garden. And it is run and hide to kind of build up my guard, build up my defenses and refuse to move. It is so easy for us to externalize the problem. But here's the deal. If we're having a hard time connecting with God, God has set the table for us to connect with him. It's a us issue. It's a me issue. Why does the barrier of sin separate us? So I was putting this together. I sat down with one of the men in our church and I just said, can I just share this sermon with you? Can I just show this? Like, what do you think? What do you see? What sticks out? And he, he said this. He said, well, it seems like you're working with a bank. 
It seems like we've wronged God, so what we have to do is we have to make it right with God so that it balances out, that it levels out at zero, and then we're good. That's almost accurate. It's almost, in fact, that's how many of us probably treat God. It's like, okay, God, when I owe you, I need to confess that, I need to own that, I need to repent of that, I come back, and it's made zero. And that, there's a part of that's true, but God is not a bank. If God were a bank, it would be settling the dispute, settling the transaction, getting back to zero, and then we would be good. But here's the problem. God is not a bank. He's a person. The difference is stealing from a bank who only wants to be repaid and stealing from your dad. There's more broken than just the sin that was committed. There's a trust violation. There's a relationship that was broken or severed. There's repair on a relational and spiritual level that is needed. And we as people have an aversion to that because it's costly. But I wanna remind us of this yet again. Despite the separation that took place in the Garden of Eden, in the temple with the barrier, despite the separation that takes place that many of us know like the back of our hand today in this room, watching or listening online, despite the separation, God's desire has always been to be, say it with me, among his people, to be with you, to be next to you, to have a relationship with you. God's desire since the very beginning, has not changed. But let's keep reading. Hebrews 9, verse 6. We're spending a lot of time in Hebrews 9 today. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. The way God set up the temple, the way God set up the tabernacle with this thing in place is he said, I, I'm on the other side. So sin offerings would be atoned for every day. That means you wrong your neighbor, you steal something, you download something illegally, you have an affair, you look at something online, whatever it is, you would atone for that the day of. You would come back into the tabernacle, something would die, blood would be shed, and your sins would be forgiven. But, but what this is saying is there's also another layer of sin. There's another layer that, that many of us forget about because it's the sins of ignorance. It's the sins we do. Have you ever offended your spouse and not realized it? Have you ever said something that, you know, days later it comes back out and you go, wow, I had no idea that I did that. Or is this just a David thing? It's way more often a David thing, I'm telling you. It's not even just with Shannon. It's all over the place. Wow, I had no idea I came across that way. I am so sorry. There, there are sins of ignorance that we commit against God that we're totally unaware of. Just acknowledging the sins that we know of are not enough to give us access there also has to be an acknowledgement, a repentance, a debt that is paid for sins we commit that we are unaware of because a perfect God and an imperfect person can't coexist. It's like magnets. They just can't. Not the way it's set up. 
So if you think about that, if you think about, okay, if I desire access to God, how in the world can I do that if I don't know what I've sinned or if I don't know what I've done? Once a year, the high priest, I mean, imagine this job. Once a year, the high priest, he would have to come up. He would bring a sacrifice. He'd kill a goat. I think it was a goat and a calf. He would kill them. He would bring the blood and he would step back into, I'll do it. He would step back into the Holy of Holies and he would disappear. And back there, he would spread the blood. He would, he would kind of spray it so that the blood would cover over the Ark of the Covenant. And that sacrifice, that ritual, God said, that atones for all of the unknown sins. That atones for all of the sins that were committed in ignorance. Do you know how afraid you would be as the high priest? Because if you went in there that was not sanctioned by God, you would die. You would die. You'd be struck down. So the priest, it's actually, uh, it's part of Jewish tradition. The high priest would actually throw a party after the day of atonement because he survived going into the Holy of Holies and come back out. I've also read sometimes they would tie a rope to the ankle of the high priest as he goes back there so that if he dies, nobody has to go in and get him. They can just pull him back out. That's not a job you want. Think about how significant that is, though. God says once a year, once a year the high priest can come in and he can atone for all of the in, unknown, ignorant sins of my people. And when God, this is what it, one of the, the scholars I read said, it says when God would look at the people and be reminded, the golden pot, you know, the manna, the Aaron's staff, when I would see the brokenness, the sin of my people who have rejected me, what I would see above that would be the blood of the sacrifice and it would be forgiven. Despite the separation that took place, God's desire has always been to be among his people. It's not been to hurt them. It's not been to shame them or guilt them or be separated from them. He could have left it that way forever and he would have been justified. God's desire was moving towards his people, towards giving them access What's interesting to me is the high priest did not enter the temple to fellowship with God like it used to be in Eden. He did not go in to spend time with him. He did not go in for the purposes of relationship. He went in to make a wrong right and then get out as fast as possible. Let's keep reading what it says here. Well, actually, let's say this. Why is it so difficult then to access God? Doesn't this seem complicated? Like if you're sitting here and if I said, this is the ritual, this is how it takes place, this is what access looks like, wouldn't you say, sitting right here, it seems impossible to access him? What you just said, the high priest would go in, that's not a job I would want. Why, why is it so complicated? Why are there so many rules and regulations and rituals that maintain the barrier between me and God? Why do all of these exist? What does it have to do with me? Here's a big statement. If you write down one thing, I just want you to write down this one thing, and it's this. God does not complicate access to him. Sin does. Remember the whole externalize, internalize thing? The external problem or the external way of approaching this is God is doing this. God's putting barriers in place. God is trying to punish me or separate me or isolate me, a word that so many of us are familiar with now over the last two years. But that's not the case. Sin does that. 
Brokenness does that. Shame does that. Guilt does that. Addiction does that. Affairs does that. Invisible sin, ignorant sin, knowing sin, greed, you name it, that complicates access to God. Not him. Yet so many of us have an aversion to him. This is why people can attend church for years, bouncing place to place, church to church, group to group, and fail to feel a connection with God. Because we keep looking out and we keep pointing away and we point at the institution or we point at God and we say, it's their fault I can't connect. It's their fault I can't worship. It's their fault I can't read. It's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. It's ours. You know, I, I've shared with you before, my dad's a pastor and uh, sometimes it's a hard gig growing up as a pastor's kid. You know, like I have a deep level of empathy for both of my boys and what they'll experience someday because it's not a fun, I, I didn't enjoy it. Let's just say that. But I would show up on Sunday mornings. I'd watch my dad get up here on a stage just like this. I would watch him preach and inside I would just be dying. I mean, dying. Like I didn't want to be there. I thought there was a problem with our church. There's a problem with my dad. There's a problem with all these other people. There's a problem. I can't be known because of who I am or because of who I'm related to. I was so upset and so hurt and so frustrated and so angry at that church and at my dad that I blamed them instead of looking deep in my heart. You know what I did? Last night, I went, I'm, I'm going to look up all 10 commandments and I want to see how many of those I violated on a Saturday night on a regular basis. Eight out of 10. Eight out of 10. I wrote down some of these. Didn't matter if it was the media I watched, the websites I visited, the words I used, the way I treated my family, the anger and hatred that I carried in my heart. I broke eight out of 10 of them on Saturday. I walked into church on Sunday and I wondered what was wrong with God in the local church. Can anybody else relate? So you think about last night, you think about this weekend, you think about last week, maybe it's the last decade. And you walk in, and when you walk into church, it feels like you're Santa Claus carrying a full bag of just your junk. And you go in and you go, yep, can't take it here. I'm going to go to the next place and the next place and the next place. And the separation continues. God doesn't complicate access to him. Sin does. What's so hard for us is often we're unaware of it. That's that sins of ignorance. Hebrews 9 Verse eight, it says this, the Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. So the Holy Spirit was at work with this model of the tabernacle. The Holy Spirit was doing something that the people were unaware of. The Holy Spirit is doing something in you right now that maybe you are unaware of. 
Look at what it says next. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. When people would show up to the tabernacle with the barrier in place, they would try to atone for their own sin in daily sacrifices, in yearly sacrifices, communal sacrifices. I mean, it didn't matter what type of sacrifice, what type of sin, they were confessing, trying to fix it, trying to make it right with a bank. And here's what it says is, yeah, but there was a conscience involved. There was a spirit involved. There was this level of brokenness that could not be fixed by a transaction, but by a relationship. The Holy Spirit was working and moving. What nobody saw was him setting the table for what would change our world, what would change our lives for eternity. He was at work, he was moving because the temple was pointing towards a greater truth. Hebrews 9 verse 11, it says this, but when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Here's what this is saying. Jesus was the purpose of the tabernacle since the very beginning. When Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis, there was a plan that was instituted and put into place to redeem that and restore it back to the way that it once was. What God's desire was for you and for me was to give us access was to give us unfettered, unhindered access to him. God's great desire was to be among his people. And that has not changed. But what it's saying is Jesus was the fulfillment of the tabernacle system. That Jesus, when Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, he was actually the perfect sacrifice, the one that could go into the Holy of Holies. He was the high priest. He was the one that it all pointed to, all built around, all centered around. He was the one that could go in and fulfill the tabernacle system so that you and me had access to our heavenly father. Jesus did it. You want to know one of the coolest verses in all of scripture? It's this, it's in Matthew, Matthew chapter 27. It says, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. This is when Jesus is hanging on a cross. As he's hanging there, broken and battered and whipped, as he's hanging there bloody, and he's looking at the people that put him up on the cross, as he's hanging there and looking at all of them, he gives up his spirit on our behalf. He breaks through this temple and this tabernacle. And it says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. At that very moment, the tabernacle, the temple, the system that God had instituted, that humanity had known as a separation from God, was actually the entrance to God. That Jesus says, I I am the tabernacle. 
I'm going right to the Holy of Holies. I'm going and I'm going to be the sacrifice so that when God looks down on the world, what he doesn't see is our sin, our shame, our guilt, our brokenness. When God looks down, what he sees is the blood of a perfect sacrifice in his son. And the curtain comes down and our access then is given to our heavenly father unhindered. It's one of the most powerful verses in all of scripture. The curtain was torn. And then here's here's how it ends, which I just love. It says, the earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. Do you know what was defeated in that moment? Was the separation of death. The separation of pain, the separation of brokenness, the separation of sin. When that curtain came down, we now had access to our heavenly father. So you want to know what the most scandalous part of this entire sermon, this entire story, this entire pinnacle of of creation that God has been putting on display. You want to know that the biggest tension in all of it? Jesus goes to the cross, Jesus dies, gives us access to our heavenly father. And what most of us do is we remain to stay on this side of the curtain. We don't move. We just stay put. For the first time ever, we we can see what's on the other side. Jesus says, you wanna know what God the father is like? Look at me. We can see what access to him looks like. You want to know what the character of God is like? Just look at the life of Jesus. Full of grace and truth. Full of forgiveness. Has the power to to raise people from the dead. To heal diseases. To forgive sins. To clear the conscience of the sinner. For the first time, we can actually look and we see through the curtain. We see on the other side, there's Jesus. He's inviting us to come in and most of us just sit like this. And we don't want to move because we're afraid. We're afraid of what it feels like to be on the other side of that curtain. We're afraid to move from darkness into light. We're afraid what might happen or what, might, what people might think of us. We're afraid what we do is we hold back and we say, I'd rather, I'd rather not, I'll just watch. And we slip back into the... It's difficult to worship, it's difficult to pray, it's difficult to hear from God, it's difficult to interact with. It's because we're staying on this side of the barrier. Some of you today need to cross the barrier. Some of you, God is stirring in your heart right now that you need to let go. That you need to stop fighting that you need to stop being afraid, that you need to understand the character of our heavenly father has desired access with you since the very beginning. The invitation is here. The table is set. What we're gonna do is we're gonna actually move into a time of response. If you need to give your life to Jesus, it's very simple. We have a team that's gonna be on this wall and on this wall over here. They're gonna start moving there right now. It's our prayer team. These people are safe. They will keep things confidential, but a very simple next step for you, if you're like, you know what? I need to let go. I need to give my life to Jesus is get up during this next song, move to the side, walk up to them and say, here's what I need to repent of. 
Here's the thing that I'm holding on to. I want to lay it down and I want to invite Jesus to be Lord of my life. And they'll shepherd you through that process. Some of you have waited for this week after week after week, maybe year after year, decade after decade. The invitation is here. The curtain is down. Jesus is inviting you to step into access with him. Remember the first time that I actually did this. <laughs> I was so scared. I had a reputation. Even on, on the college campus that I was at, I had a reputation. People knew me as a Christian. People knew me as a believer. People knew me as a pastor's kid, as a leader in the church. People knew me. And I had yet to cross the barrier myself. You know what happened when I did is when I crossed that barrier, it was a couple days later, I was driving back to school from my parents' house. I pulled over in some no-name town in some no-name parking lot. And before I could put my car in park, I just wept. I couldn't hold it in any longer because the sin and the shame and the guilt that I had held onto, that I wanted to keep secret, that I wanted to hide, that I was afraid to let go of, all of those, when I released it, the power of God moved into my heart and set me free. And he wants to do that for you. So forget what people think. Forget what you planned on. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. If he's stirring and moving and cultivating and inviting you, don't stay where you're at. These last two questions I have for all of us is this, what barrier exists right now between you and God? If you've already given your life to him, wrestle this one. What, what is it today? What's the barrier between you and God? And the next one is this, are you willing to move to the other side? Feel free to come forward. Feel free to kneel and pray. Feel free to move to the sides. Feel free to be obedient and to respond to the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for the work that you did on the cross. Thank you for what you did to give us access through your son, Jesus. God, I just pray right now that you would do a work like only you can in the hearts of your people. God, what we bring in is shame. What we bring in is guilt. We bring pain. We bring regret. We bring brokenness, fear, anxiety, we bring all of those. And I just pray, God, that you would just move through your Holy Spirit, just like you always have, that you would do a work inside of us that can change and transform our hearts. We thank you for the person of Jesus. We thank you that you loved us so much that you gave his life for us that he willingly offered it because of his love for us. He was perfect, he was atoning, he, he satisfied every requirement of yours on our behalf. We can do nothing, God, to earn our way into your presence except through the name of Jesus. So I pray right now that you work, that you move, that you would meet us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, Amen. 
We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in Him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com forward slash connect. We look forward to connecting with you there, and we'll see you back here next week.